Hello and welcome to the First Rule of Film Club. I'm Hannah. I'm Eddie. And I'm Alex. And each week we come together to discuss a film, have a little chat about it and maybe play a game. What film are we talking about this week? This week we are watching Pixar's brand new film, Soul. Ooh. What's that about? Uh, well, the synopsis is, a musician who has lost his passion for music is transported out of his body and must find his way back with the help of an infant soul learning about herself. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a cerebral one. Yeah, very wordy. In fact, one of the things I heard about this film before I saw it was that it might be a bit too complicated for children, mm. which worried me a lot. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think when we watched it the first time through, I was like, I don't know if I understand this. I think the thing with the kids' film is because I think we all three of us kind of grew up with Pixar a little bit. Like we grew up like when I was a kid, I remember watching like Toy Story just again and again on, on a loop. And when you're a kid, you don't necessarily need to know the story. Like, mm. you know, as a kid, I'd watch Monsters Inc. I'd watch Toy Story. And I, I probably couldn't have told you what the plot was. Mm. But I knew who the goodies were. I knew who the baddies were. I knew that, you know, they needed to get this or get that or go here. Mm. And that's usually enough. That's kind of, as a kid, you kind of, as long as you, you've got a vague understanding of what, what who's good and who's bad, that's kind of all you need. Yeah, true. I remember quite clearly as a kid laughing at some jokes as well, which I didn't really understand, but recognised that was a comic moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, any time Mike Wazowski opens his mouth in Monsters, Inc., it's like yeah. a little, oh, it's the one-eyed guy talking. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> Mike Wazowski. <laughs> yeah, but it, he actually made some like quite deep jokes in that film, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, in Soul, there's a lot of jokes, like references to like, you know, famous people from throughout history. Like there's these little like cutaways where it's like, oh, Carl Jung had a go at me for saying you know, his unconscious mind hated me. Yeah. And I was like, I don't even really get that, to be honest. Like, you know, what, what 10-year-old is going to know who the hell Carl Jung is? <laughs> if anything, this film kind of like brought together that child and adult experience. You know, like, as an adult, you're laughing because you recognise it's a comic moment. <laughs> you don't yeah. actually get it, yeah. <laughs> That's so true. You can start, oh, this is a good joke for the grown-ups. Okay, I'll laugh so I sound, sound clever. Like, you know that joke where the Jerry is saying... Oh, I'm a quantum field of blah blah blah. But you can call me Jerry. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure a kid and me understood the same amount of what she said. Yeah, <laughs> mm. I think. Well, let, let, let's dive it back. I think we've kind of we've just dived like straight in. There. Oh, but Eddie, I love diving straight so, into okay, it. We can we can dive back in again. All right, no, fine. We'll go back to the beginning. What were your first kind of impressions of the film? Uh, my first impression of this film... Oh, is it okay if I just go for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crack on. Yeah. I didn't know if, if you were going to say on. something. No, 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 no. Well, okay. My first impression of this film was uh, pretty good. I didn't know anything before I went in, which I was trying to do. Um, so all I really knew that was was that the main character guy does end up dying quite early in the film. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I was like completely unprepared for the way they dealt with the afterlife. And I thought it was just so... like. It was very inside out in the way that it took real life scenarios and transferred them to like this weird metaphysical space, you know. Um, and I liked that aspect, but definitely my first impression was confusion because it's a little bit more complicated than inside out in terms of what it actually means in the real world. Mm. And they spend less time in the metaphysical world and more time in the real world. And when I saw the advert, I was quite jazzed for that because I thought, oh, this is quite cool. They're going to really show off their animation skills in terms of being able to do real people and make New York look like a real place. But actually, when we were watching it, I kind of wish there had been more in the great before because I just love how they do that surreal idea and they plunge you into that kind of fantasy world. And 
maybe that was a bit lacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, I think, I think most people will probably be a bit divided on this film of whether they like the part of the film set in the real world or the part of the film that's set in kind of you know the the afterlife or the before life or or wherever. Mm. One thing that you just said though, like that, I think the animation in this film was so incredible. And the mm. fact that in the real world, everything looked so real. Like, New York looked like New York. It felt like New York. It had all that kind of, you know, it just looked perfect. And then all the, the surreal stuff looked perfectly surreal. Mm. Oh, and when they merged the two, when the when that the accountant guy mm. merges into yeah, the real yeah. world, that was such a trip because <laughs> you're, like, looking around and the accountant guy's just popping out of real things. It, it shocked me every time. I loved it. Yeah, it, it was weird with that accountant guy because it was like... You know, in really old films, and like a CGI character turns up in the real world, and it looks a bit weird. It kind of looked like that because I was like, "Oh, they CGI this guy into the real world." And then I was like, <laughs> yeah. wait, "Wait, this isn't real. This is all CGI." But he looks like a less sophisticated version of CGI who's been superimposed into like you know a real world. Mm. It's really weird, but really well done. Yeah, I suppose it had to be well done because part of the point is that number twenty-two is experiencing the realness of the real world like she's getting something that she couldn't get from the great before which is getting to go around and actually see what it's like in reality mm. so if it was a more surreal style of animation like in spider-man into the spider-verse for example or something like that then i don't think it would work as well mm. i think perhaps some of the issue is that the inside out concept was quite simple like you know it's just people that control what you're doing in your brain so it's quite easy to convey but the idea of the afterlife and the souls thing, like it's it's a lot of stuff that you have to introduce, you know, like new rules to the way that souls work, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was probably why it felt less engaging at points. You know, sometimes I would be like just too confused to be engaged in the in the metaphysical space. Yeah. I think it was a bit rushed. My problem with this film is I th- I feel like the whole film should have been set in kind of the afterlife personally because i i love those bits so much and the bits set in the real world for me weren't quite as exciting so i wish they'd spent a little bit more time at least in the afterlife because mm-hmm. it felt a bit rushed where you've got about 10 15 minutes where they're in the great beyond they have to explain all the rules of how souls work they say okay before you're born a, a person who's already lived comes back and they they teach you how to live and you have a little uh, sticker on your tummy and you have to fill them up with sparks and oh and there's yeah. a there's a whole of you which you can go to and there's a, there's a whole of everything you can go to and you, uh and uh, you go into a little house and that gives you your personality. Like It just felt <laughs> like within about five minutes, you just hit with these rules of all this stuff. And they really could have just slowed that down a little bit and mm. just taken a bit more time to build that world, I think. Yeah, because mm. everyone's thought about there being people inside of your head as just like a playful thought. Mm. But the idea of what's happening before you're even born... And like how souls are created and personalities, that's pretty high concept. Like- every time, every time you say that kind of thing, I realise how ridiculously deep this film is. You know, the <laughs> idea that before you're born, your personality is determined in the clouds by this weird organisation by, by Richard Ayoade <laughs> sending you to a house, <laughs> and then you're guided through the process sometimes by a mentor who's someone yeah. who lived before mm. you were born. Yeah, but oh, that's some. Just- those are some great ideas, but I think. All of those little ideas could have really like been fleshed out a bit more. I think the trouble is it's a kids' film. So yeah. all the bits that they were doing that for, I think they were worried they weren't engaging the kids enough. Mm. Because they, you know, they tried to cutesy it up a little bit and they tried to like make it visually very stimulating, which it was. And the character's a bit funny. But the trouble is like the real world stuff I think is so much more 
like kid orientated and like the the physical comedy is more real and like mm. i don't know when i watched that bit the little like three-year-old in my brain was happy mm. and when i watched the the like metaphysical bit the sort of you know debonair old man in my in my brain was happy i don't know i was kind of the opposite i think i think as a kid i probably would have enjoyed the solely stuff a bit more even if i hadn't understood it because like monsters inc it's set in a weird world where everyone's a monster and you kind of get on board with that. And Inside Out is pretty much all set in the head, but you kind of, you just get used to it. It becomes kind of normal in it, but you know. Mm, that's true. It's quite ambitious though, the, yeah. the the ideas they're trying to settle in the heaven space that they've got in this film. Yeah, mm. it's it's a lot to take in, but I, I don't know, I kind of wish they'd gone a bit, just a little bit deep with it all. Like the idea of like the zone as well, where they go to where Graham Norton's there on his pirate ship and yeah. when you're in that state of flow, whether you know, whether you're playing music or doing a sport and you're in that zone, like I thought that was such a great idea. That was good. I think what Pixar does really well is connect stuff to the real world. Like so like, you know, it's like the New York Knicks and they're like playing basketball and then um twenty two throws something out of their head and it kind of breaks <laughs> them out of the zone. That was such a good bit. You know, little things like that where it's like, oh that's what happens, you know, when you when you just suddenly lose your flow for no reason, it's because a little soul has like chucked a little rock at my head, you know. I also would have liked to see more of the sort of office politics between the Jerrys and the Terrys. Yeah. Mm. Are there more Terrys? Yeah, because there's multiple Jerrys, so maybe there's more Terrys. Wait, so which ones were the Terrys? Terry was the accountant, the oh, yeah. the, the, <laughs> okay, the best character. Like <laughs> I loved his character. Possibly one of my favourite of all of like Pixar's characters. Like I don't know why, just like the, <laughs> the voice acting so like on point, like so yeah. perfect. I love how everyone talked down to him and kind of patronised him, but he was kind of like it kind of worked. Like he he hated it, but he also like when they gave him a little gold star, he was like, "Thank you." <laughs> <laughs> the count is off. The count's never been off for a million years. I've counted every single little cell. I want to find you, you little cell. <laughs> 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 and I thought Richard Ayoade so yeah, good. Yeah, so, so so. Pixar do a really good job of casting. Like mm. Tom Hanks as Woody, uh, you know Billy Crystal as Mike Wazowski. Like I think they do really well at picking the perfect person to body yeah, yeah. character. And I think they did that here as well. Because it's not about what they look like, is it? It's no, just the that voice. voice. Like Richard Ayoade is such a like great voice. And mm. This was the first Pixar film which didn't have John Ratzenberger in it as well. Apparently sure. he is in it though as a little cameo. No, I read, I, I, I read that he wasn't. I read somewhere that he's not credited, but I think the director said he might be in there somewhere, but we're not going to tell you who he plays. Well, I haven't read anything. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently he does like, when they're on the subway, they bump into someone and he goes, hey, watch where you're going. I think apparently he's supposed to be like someone like that, but I don't know. Yeah, because when I was watching it, I was like, there are so many Ratzenberger opportunities here. (laughs) (laughs) Ratzenberger opportunities. Mm, I thought, okay, here's a little bit of a weird one. I thought the ending, for me, on reflection, was a slight cop-out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because I think they'd done this beautiful thing, they delivered this very high-minded message, and then the ending comes out of nowhere, and they say, like, oh, you can go back to Earth, spoiler alert, you can go back to Earth, you have a second chance at life, Mm. you've inspired us kind of thing. And I just thought, like... I was so expecting him to go into the light that it feels like a cop-out now that he's gotten away from that. I completely agree with that. I think it felt like I wanted the film to be more about, not about him trying to fight his way back to life, but to come to terms with the fact that he had lived, he's had his life, and he thought his life had been a waste. But, you know, in a bit of a kind of it's a wonderful life-esque way, he learned, he realised that his life wasn't a waste. You know, he needs to let go now. And now, you know, 22 and the new generation can come through and live their life. I thought that's what the film was going to be about. Yeah, like accepting mm. death seemed like the logical end of his character yeah. arc, doesn't it? Because then yeah. it, it becomes a film that everyone can relate to because all of us 
sadly, are probably going to die at some point, and we have to come to terms oh, with that. Maybe. So not just well, probably, sorry. we definitely will. Well, hopefully not. But so I think <laughs> if he dies at the end, it becomes a film that everyone can relate to. Whereas if it's a film about a guy who manages to die but come back to life, it's not as universal of a message. I don't think. I think it also undermines the whole point of the count. You know, <laughs> yeah. like the yeah, accountant's so really funny. worrying about the count the whole way through, and then <laughs> their way of getting around it is just Richard Ayoade going, "Look over there." <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then the, and apparently the accountant's never going to notice that. Yeah, It stinks of something that they planned differently, doesn't it? Uh, the, yeah, there are a lot of bits in this film, whether it was intentional or not, where it felt like it was going to go one way and then it just didn't. So I wonder if there were rewrites or... Well, I wondered whether... Because you know the bit when he confronts his mum and mm. says to her about how she never uh, appreciated his life choices and he wanted to be a musician like his father, but she just didn't get it and all of this. That scene for me felt a bit... Like, it was probably written a different way. It just felt like her mood completely changed yeah. from you're wasting your life to I love you, son, and I accept you. Yeah, yeah I felt yeah. that. I felt, I don't know, his speech wasn't impassioned enough to warrant that kind of, that suddenly, like, character change. Yeah, that was a bit abrupt. Something was off there. I felt if he'd given, like, an amazing speech, then I can see how she might have changed her mind. But it was just like, oh, you never really believe in me. And she's like, yeah. oh, I love you, son. Oh, here's your dad's suit that I've kept in this chest for all these years. Come on, mm. I believe in you now. It felt a little bit. Because what they could have done is, if at the end um, he actually had died, there could have been a moment there when he was speaking with his mum where she could have made him realise that even though he felt like he wasted his life because he never achieved his like big dream, that actually he had a worthwhile life because of like the friends he had and like the moments that him and his mum had had together and his father and stuff like that. But that was kind of missing. It was almost like his whole life he had just been watching TV and hating being a teacher and failing at being a jazz musician. You needed it to end with him having another chance at life. Otherwise, it was like his life was depressing. But I suppose he like channeled that depressingness into helping 22. That was like the only ray of light. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I don't know. I would have preferred a bit more if it was like It's a Wonderful Life where he goes into that hall of you and a lot of the film is set maybe in that hall of view and he's kind of him and 22 are kind of falling through his memories and he's he kind of realizes that yeah. his life wasn't a waste his life wasn't that i don't uh, agree they needed to anchor it in the real world for it to feel relevant you know it like it doesn't sometimes i think if they spend too long like in the brain of the person in inside out when i watch that film i forget about riley mm. i kind of forget that the real world exists mm. which is not a good thing i think in these stories I don't know. I think it depends on the story. Maybe if they'd made it longer. Like I think this film actually is the first film I've seen in a while where I would add 20 to 30 minutes. It needed a bit a bit of a better resolution. I was so sure that the resolution was going to be that his spark wasn't jazz, that his spark was actually teaching. Because mm. he manages to teach 22 to love life. Yes. There's that girl in his class who loves the trombone and he you know, he inspires her. There's mm. that guy who used to be in his class who's now in that band. He's like, oh, you were the best teacher I ever had. Like I thought that his, he was going to realise his spark was actually like... It wasn't jazz, but it was, you know, giving people that passion. Yeah. That would have been such a nice bit if at the end they had gone back to the Hall of You and the Jerrys had been like, you know, you've done a great thing with 22. And he's like, yeah, shame that I wasted the rest of my life. And then they're like, no, look at this. And then they mm. go to the Hall of You and there's like a two minute bit where they walk through and they have that bit where they show shown that yeah. his spark was teaching. Oh. Yes, that is such a good yeah, ending. No, no, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I was so sure that that was going to happen. I was so sure. I was literally starting to well up. Like with tears, because <laughs> I, I was like, "Oh my god, they're gonna do this!" You know, when you realise like something's about to happen, you start like getting a bit teary-eyed. And then I realised it wasn't going that direction. I was like, "Oh, I was so ready. I was so ready for that Pixar." 
moment where I just burst into tears. Yeah. Take oh. me, destroy me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Pixar's maybe set the bar a bit too high. Like the past few films, like Toy Story 3, had me in like floods of tears. Onward, had me in tears. Like mm. I think they've just set it a bit too mm. high. That's true, yeah. I, I wonder, because it is such a complicated film, what the message was for everyone. Because my message was pretty, like, it was really good and it was very simple. It was just that, you know, don't get lost chasing your purpose yeah. because it's a manifestation of your character at the end mm. of the day kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, and I like the message that, because I think a lot of people feel like they don't know what their reason, you know, what their passion in life is or what their what their purpose is. And I like the message of saying, you know, don't worry about that. You know, it's not about that. It's just about enjoying yourself. Yeah, like, I, I like that the message is, for me, live your life every day mm. to the fullest. And, you know, like you say, don't worry about your purpose or your spark or whatever, because actually your spark is kind of just a zest for life and enjoying the world around you. Mm. And also, don't go into the light, guys, because you can actually game your way to a second chance at life. You know, yeah. you could yeah. live infinite lives that way. I'm going to remember that when I die now. I'm going to remember, like, just go backwards down the stairs and try and sort of slip through. Yeah. So remember, there's always a reason not to go into the light. Yeah. Don't go into the wall. Yeah. To be fair, I feel like this film has good rewatchability. Because um, you watched it the day after we did. So I walked into the room when you were watching it. So I saw a couple of bits of it twice. And the bit when they're going through the hall of you, when I watched that the first time and he goes in, he's like, oh my God, I wasted my life. Mm. He's looking at that thinking, oh, I wasted my life because I never got my shot at being a jazz musician. I never achieved my purpose, in inverted commas. But then when you watch it again, knowing how it ends... You see him kind of sat there watching TV and like all of his things are just him doing his laundry or whatever or being on his phone yeah. or being in the subway. That, that laundry bit is great because he sat like the thinker, but he's actually like just sat next to a laundry like machine just waiting for like the clothes to come out. Yeah. And you realise that's how he wasted his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wasted his life waiting for something to happen rather than just enjoying everything around him. Mm. Oh, I love that. So deep. And then when he takes um, 22 to the hall of everything as well, all the stuff he tries to get her to do to convince her that life's worth living are all like the really high achieving things or like the things that people consider to be you've won at life, like signing something in the presidential office or going in a rocket launch or whatever. He never mm. does anything with her that's actually just normal life. Yeah. Oh, that's a good little, yeah, mm. yeah, 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 like yeah. yeah. I, was, I read somewhere that the original script... Uh, that 22 was going to be the main character and that Joe was going to be kind of the sidekick and the whole thing was going to be set in the soul world and it was just all about her trying to find that spark. Oh, that's like a wet dream for you, Eddie. Yeah, so that, <laughs> that, that literally, when I read that synopsis, I was like, oh man, I wish I could have seen that film because that's what I wanted. <laughs> but the thing is, that's just a personal opinion. I think I, like, I quite like the kind of more surreal stuff, but mm. I can completely see why they put most of the film in the real world. And there were some really nice moments, like when he goes to the hairdressers. It's quite a mundane seen in terms of what you've just seen before that in terms of you know you've seen the afterlife the before life and suddenly he's just in a hairdresser's getting a haircut but they do the the little moments really nice i think yeah yeah pixar they add in little easter eggs all the time like they, i think they had the broccoli pizza from inside out somewhere yeah the toy story ball toy story ball i saw the train they get i read online uh, the train number they get is 2319 which uh, <laughs> i love that which is what the guy shouts in monsters Inc. he goes 2319 <laughs> oh that's such a good scene so is there any more for any more or should we do the ratings? Yeah, you just made me think of something. I really love the world with the lost souls. Oh, yeah. And like the idea that if you're too obsessed about something, you can become a lost soul. Mm. And that bit that Eddie was just talking about being in the hairdressers, that was a way in which Joe was becoming a lost soul because he was just talking to everyone about jazz and stuff. Mm. But then when he's leaving the hairdresser, the guy says, 
oh, it's so nice to talk to you about something other than jazz. Yeah. And this, that makes it so relatable because I think in everyone's lives, there's people who you talk to about certain subjects who you don't know that well. And you're like, okay, this is safe, common ground. Yeah. But actually, if you did venture out and ask them about their life, they'd probably be more than happy to talk about that. Yeah. It's like helpful to the plot as well because if 22 is like living in Joe's body, then, you know, it's kind of helpful that the barber doesn't really know much about Joe because... 22 asked all these questions and in the scene I was a bit like well this isn't very realistic like the barber would instantly realise that it's not you know, he's asking all these basic questions mm. and then I realised that's kind of the point of the scene at the end he doesn't really know him yeah yeah it's, mm. such, an, it's such a nice message that you know it, not everything's about like this thing that you're doing kind of thing yeah and the guy wanted to be a vet originally but now he found he realised that being a hairdresser was what he was meant to do you know it's not mm. about necessarily what you think you're goal in life you know might not necessarily be what you're actually supposed to do yeah and you can kind of become unhappy chasing it as well yeah. i want to know how that guy who spun the sign managed to get a pirate ship in the sort of zone <laughs> yeah because <laughs> i thought he was like some kind of like uh, you know ethereal being but he's just some guy who's so good at sign spinning that he can like, can, like <laughs> meditate be, be in the zone and like <laughs> yeah. like fallen through the cracks of the zone yeah <laughs> And constructed a pirate ship there. Yeah, like, <laughs> which can shoot, like, you know, like, missiles out to, like, grab lost souls. Just, he was just a useful plot mechanic, yeah, wasn't really? he, really? Because he kind of just, like, reconnects Joe with his body yeah, in that like cat a, at one point He lived right well. around the corner from Joe as well, which yeah. is very lucky. Yeah, so good that he didn't live, like, halfway across the country. <laughs> one MVP. Great dude. I wonder whether Joe was a bit too selfish as well. You know, like, maybe that's what held me back from liking him. I felt like he was a bit too selfish mm. yeah there could have been a few more moments where he kind of he does a nice little thing but yeah for, for a lot of the film he is just a bit of a knob and a bit yeah. self-absorbed which i know is the point because he's got to learn not to be but yeah i spent a lot of time wishing that him and 22 had like a friendlier relationship yeah, yeah. like if you imagine klaus which we watched a couple of days ago where jesper is like super selfish at the beginning and he has kind of like emperor cusco vibes from the emperor's new groove that's what i wanted from joe i wanted that kind of like shameless selfishness yeah mm. but what he had was self-hating selfishness yeah <laughs> mm. so should we do the ratings yeah. yeah let's do it it's gonna be for me i don't know i mean this is so difficult to rate because i really enjoyed it uh but there's some flaws that i don't love about this film so it's it's like seven is that too harsh because it's a really good film okay maybe an eight eight I think the thing is I'm rating it in comparison to other Pixar movies. Yeah. I'm not rating it in comparison to like Princess Switch. <laughs> you know, so I probably give it a seven. There was something fundamentally missing. Like there was an emotional connection that wasn't there to like the main character or like the ending. Mm. That, like I didn't cry. I didn't even feel like crying. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't even want to cry. <laughs> I'm so hard. Yeah. <laughs> I d yeah, I agree. I think the animation was gorgeous. They had some really great ideas, but the whole thing felt like it had been, you know, written and rewritten and rewritten and rewritten, and it just felt a little bit messy for me. Yeah. And I wish they'd doubled down. I really wish they'd just gone for it and gone for the whole soul thing the whole way through. Hmm. I'm going to give it six and a half. Ooh, that is harsh. But I love Pixar. The first episode we ever did was a Pixar film. I grew up on Pixar films. Don't hate me, Pixar. I just, you know, it's just that like I know they can do so much better. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, I think the trouble is when you go and see a Pixar film, you kind of expect like this groundbreaking level of storytelling as well as this effortless like connection that you have yeah. with the characters. And yeah. so this one just had groundbreaking story, 
but I didn't feel the same connection to the characters. Yeah. yeah. If this had been made by like some com- completely like unknown indie company, you know, I would have been blown away by like the effects and you know the the ideas and stuff. I think it's just the bar is set so high that I think Pixar sometimes make it a bit harder for themselves. Yeah. Definitely, because the ideas in the great before are amazing. Mm. Like the the lost soul idea completely like blew my mind. Mm. But it's not enough. Like you need a really good story as well. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Cool. Yeah, cool. Well, I have a little game. Oh, okay. it's quite a quick one. Oh, here we go. The games are back. Interesting. <laughs> I'm going to give you a line from a Pixar film, and you have to tell me which Pixar film it's from. Oh, that's quite tough. You could but, pick some obscure ones. But to make it fair as well, because some of them are quite iconic lines when spoken in character, I'm just going to speak them as me with very little feeling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so your normal voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to say, like, to make it fair, I'm going to give Eddie a three-second handicap or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, i give you an easy one to start with. I don't believe it. I'm on TV. Buzz. Well, Oh, okay. Well, like you know, I'm starting to see an issue with the buzzing <laughs> system here. <laughs> right, Alex, you go first. Oh, yes. Okay, that's definitely Monsters Inc. Yes, it is. Rats. I am your wife. I'm the greatest good you're ever going to get. Oh, I know this. Incredibles. Yes, the Incredibles yeah. one. Where is my super suit? <laughs> <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> my evening is in danger. <laughs> <laughs> On a quest, the clear path is never the right one. Buzz. Surely that must be onward. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay, I wasn't going to get that one very quickly. I touched the butt. Buzz. Alex. That's Finding Nemo. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. One winner, 42 losers. I eat Buzz. losers for breakfast. Uh, maybe Cars. Yes, it is Cars. That is Cars. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't want to survive. I want to live. Buzz? Alex? I'm not sure. So I'm going to guess... Could <laughs> 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 it should be anything? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I can't even think of a good Pixar movie. Toy Story 3. No. Do you want to have a go, Eddie? Soul? Nope. I can, I can kind of picture someone screaming at you. I want to survive. I want to live. Oh, is it the caterpillar guy? No, no, it's from a film that's kind of quite post-apocalyptic. Oh, Wally. Yes. Uh, nice. who, who says that? Um, it's the captain of the ship. You know, oh, the fat captain. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that guy. That is, that is a great guy. Because I think maybe that's when the evil wheel is being yeah, a bit like, yeah, but yeah. you can survive yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a pizza plan. <laughs> <laughs> One minute you're defending the whole galaxy and suddenly you find yourself sucking down Darjeeling with Marie Antoinette Buzz. and her little sister. Toy Story 1? Yes. <laughs> wow. That is, I love that scene. Like, where like, Buzz Lightyear is like, having a little tea party. Yeah. <laughs> My name is Mrs. Nesbitt. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last one. Okay. Not everyone can become a great artist, but a great Buzz. artist can come from anywhere. Eddie. Ratatouille? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I thought Ratatouille, if you were going to do one from that, would have just been, anyone can cook. Yeah. (laughs) And you need to do the hand action as well. (laughs) It's so much harder without the the voices. Well, exactly. Because the voices are part of it. Yeah. Yeah. When you read it cold and lifeless, I can't really, I don't get the emotional punch from it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I am available for voice work, Pixar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that anyone can be talented. It's the, where they come from, anywhere. <laughs> you are a toy. <laughs> and you're a sad, strange little man. I'd love to see like a, a version of the Pixar yeah. films with just really like lifeless yeah. audio. Still packs more of an emotional punch than soul. Yeah. Oh. Oh. That's, that's too far. That's, that's too that too far. Mate. That's too Jeez. far. Ouch. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> right, what are we watching next week then? Oh, I know the answer to this. We're not. Next mm. week, what we're doing is we're going to have a 2020 film wrap-up podcast where we talk about our favourite films and probably end up slagging off each other's choices. And that will be what you listen to, hopefully. <laughs> with, your ears, with your ears. <laughs> <laughs> So if the listeners want to get in touch to tell us what their favourite films of 2020 were, how can they do that? Well, they can email us at filmclubrules at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at filmclubrules. Awesome. So join us next week for the special bonus episode, wrap-up of 2020. Mm, I'm going to sing along with the outro. It's the first rule of film. It's the first rule. It's the first rule. Please don't rock this away to this podcast. Use a base growing every day. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Shut up.